0: underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade, and this week we're revisiting a series of interviews which took place in late 2018 to coincide early the following year with the release of the film The Favourite. In just a moment, we speak to a trio of supporting actors in Nicholas Holt, Joe Alwyn and Mark Gattis from this BAFTA and Academy Award-winning film. It's just about people and enmity and rivalry and jealousy and
2: nastiness and fighting and sex
1: and all the good things to the plot of this fresh funny duck and rabbit infested romp it's the 18th century queen anne's court is a tragic comedy of confidants and courtiers vying for her attention and love
0: dearest queen you are mad giving me a palace it is a monstrous extravagance mrs morley we are at war we won oh it is not over we must continue oh Oh, I did not know
1: that. Director Yorgos Lanthimos has given us the lobster and killing of a sacred deer. Here, though, he focuses in on the frail Queen Anne, played by Olivia Colman, who occupies the English throne, and her close friend Lady Sarah, played by Rachel Weiss, who helps govern the country while tending to Anne's ill health. A new servant, Abigail, played by Emma Stone, arrives, and Sarah takes Abigail under her wing, and the plot unfolds from this point. Before we begin, though, let's hear the director speaking about filmmaking from another interview found in our
3: archive. Also as an audience member, I love to be intrigued and provoked into think and engage with films in an active way and be able to assert my opinion and my thoughts in there uh, and come away with something that I'll think a little bit more when I've left the, mm. the, 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 the cinema. Um, So I try to construct films also in a way that they leave that space for people according to their own um, experiences, culture, education, even mood, you know, come Mm. up with their own uh, reaction to the film.
1: In this podcast, we speak to Mark Gattis, who plays Lady Sarah's husband, the Duke of Marlborough, Nicholas Holt, who plays the cunning and beautifully dressed politician Robert Harley, and Joe Orwin as Samuel Marsham, the soon to be husband of Abigail. These characters float around and support and interfere with the main three actors' stories. Nicholas spoke first.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think making it, we all had a a fantastic time. And the sense was that it could be something special with Jorgos directing and the script that was there and and watching the rest of the cast around. I was like, okay, everyone's doing really lovely work, but you never know Mm. how it's all going to (laughs) translate onto film. So to see the rhythms of it and everything and watch those three ladies and and what they were doing, as you say, when we weren't on set, um, were just amazing. Joe
0: Alwyn. I just wanted to be a part of this film. <laughs> I mean, I read it. I read it ages ago in like in 2015, I think, and uh, and it was just such a refreshing, different script, especially for a period film. And mm. I was such a fan of Yorgos, so the fact that he was involved, and I thought I thought the part was really fun as well, getting to run around and look stupid and and, uh, and be humiliated and dress up, and the whole thing was kind of slightly crazed in the best way.
3: And then the script was just so much fun fun and original and fresh and the dialogue, each each line, I was kind of like, oh, I really want to be the person who who gets to say that. And you have a lot of physical humour as well, lots of physicality in your role as well. Uh, yeah, there is a fair amount. I mean, you have the slightly thing, more yeah. physical, you're dancing and, and fighting and things. I'm... Tripping people and pushing people. Dressing up a lot. or you have dressed up a lot. Yeah, and I've made an effort with my appearance because a man must look pretty. <laughs> he did. He did. Thank you.
1: Let's talk about the three female leads because it, you know, it, the film revolves around them in different ways. I mean, you fall in love with
0: the chambermaid. I do. Um, well, I don't know if he falls in love. You know, I think he. I think he probably thinks he is, but I think he just likes the kind of chase of it. He probably likes the fact that she doesn't give in straight away. Mm. Because there's this cat and mouse game that I think he he finds attractive and and uh, and it's
3: just ridiculous. Do you fall in love with anyone? Or are you, you in love with yourself, I suppose? I think. Oh, he's he's yeah, kind of in love with him, himself. You who know, Yeah, no, he, although it was pointing out he's the one character who kind of gets a little bit of what he wants yeah. towards the end of this. Although, actually, I think post the film it probably doesn't work out exactly as he'd anticipated mm. through that, but yeah.
0: None to the Queen. What? What, you cannot have got chocolate. Your stomach, the sugar inflames it. Abigail, hand me that cup. Do not. I'm sorry. I do not know what to do. Oh, fine. Give it to her. Then you can get a bucket and a mop for the aftermath.
2: Mark Gattis. It's incredibly and very strongly the story of these three women. And that's one of the things that makes it so attractive. It's it's an unusual film in so many respects. But it's absolutely about this this triangle. So, um, I mean, what I wanted it to be was like Barry Lyndon, Mm. which I think it is. It's kind of got that quality to it you think you know if you if you see past the red coats and the florid makeup and the size of the dresses and stuff they're very much just us uh albeit you know royalty and the aristocracy but it's very much uh got that sort of feel to it that it, it could be us now it's some it's just about people and enmity and rivalry and jealousy and nastiness and fighting and sex and all the good things, ducks, mostly ducks.
1: Well, I did want to talk about ducks, actually. <laughs> Your biggest collaborators in the film are the ducks. Um, I don't know if you any time with the rabbits, but let's start with the ducks. A little with the rabbits, but
2: mostly the ducks. Yes, well, that was... Uh, now, this is interesting. In the original script, it was cockfighting, and I had this wonderful line, literally, it was a big close-up of me, and I'd just say, gentlemen, shall we get our cocks out? and then it cuts wider, and it's a cockfight. And then the the word came back that they weren't allowed, obviously weren't allowed to have cockfighting but they also weren't allowed to simulate cockfighting. The writers brilliantly came up with the idea of duck racing, which seems completely authentic. (laughs) I just thought, I don't know, I don't think, actually, they did do it, but it feels very 18th century, doesn't Mm. it? It feels also, there's something slightly decadent about it. It's like, it's sort of like, it's not like racing Dogs or something? Ducks? It's, it's 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 people who are bored with betting. I know what we could bet on: <laughs> cockroaches, ducks. So we spent at Hatfield House. We spent a very long day, full of the smell of tuna fish and duck shit. Actually, racing these ducks, and they were being chased by the trainers. And of course, they don't really want to move at all. They're just interested in the fish. And then, amazingly, a few months later, we had to do it again because of shooting in daylight. We'd we'd sort of run out of daylight and the August hadn't got as many shots as he wanted. So James Smith and I, we had this email exchange, James simpson France, and it was like, guess what? <laughs> 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 Round two. <laughs> but it was fun. I mean, you know, you do, uh, in, in the end, you just you just do it. We, we, we were sort of placing bets on who was going to win and, and which duck was going to escape and all those sorts of things. So it has a, I don't get it, it has a nice sort of naturalistic feel to it.
3: I apologise for my appearance. I hoped I might be employed here by you, as something—a
0: monster for the children to play with, perhaps.
1: The presence of your uh, character is there because he's at war, and everyone is arguing about what what he's going to do. Uh, yes, which is always nice, isn't it? It's nice to be talked about.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, it, it's a very interesting thing that because obviously, for the time. What the men were doing was perceived to be the important thing, and obviously war it is, but but what the film demonstrates is that back home, Sarah Churchill was effectively running the country. She's astonishing mm. person, astonishingly strong personality, and through her influence on the Queen and then the Queen's you know choice of ministers and all that sort of thing, and then obviously when she's supplanted by Abigail, that power shifts. It's very interesting. Literally, I'm not just plugging my play at the Nottingham Playhouse, on November the 2nd, to 24th. I was going to mention. <laughs> but uh, the Marriage of George III is not dissimilar in that the king's, uh, the king's choice of minister is William Pitt. They're basically set for 10 years of power and then his illness knocks the country off course and suddenly the opposition seizes its chance and the Prince Regent's allies start to move in. So it's mm. not dissimilar in that way. You know, Sarah Churchill loses her grip on power. At the same time, all her allies do. And then the people who see a new faction opening up see their opportunity, and I think that makes it feel very... Well, it's eternally relevant, because that's always happening. It's happening at the moment with
0: uh, Brexit, really, isn't it? The idea that a few people in a room um, behind closed doors are deciding the fate of a nation, hmm. um, the whims of a, few, of a few people, which are obviously meant to you know, represent a mass of people, but yeah. is something that's, that's relevant, well, it's always relevant. I'm ready for the Russian ambassador. Who did your makeup? We went for something dramatic. Do you like it? You look like a badger. Oh. Are you going to cry? Really? Well, what do you think you look like?
2: Badger. I think they were qu- actually, in real life, quite a happy and devoted couple. I think. I mean it's you know that's, that's not the focus of the film yes but we tried certainly tried to to play that i think there's well there's a scene where i sort of say goodbye and go after war which is and you know it's a good line there it is like a, it is like a sort of um it's like that sort of sunday night feeling of you don't really want to leave i'm mm. got to go oh, bye it was it, and i thought we we tried to sort of make it's not like she's behind the scenes sniping and and he's you know the figurehead. They're, 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 I guess they were a power couple, weren't they? I suppose mm. that's what you'd call it now. But she's very much um, her own person. Uh, but being a, he was the one who had to go off and fight the wars, I suppose.
0: Do you really think you can meet the Russian
3: delegation looking like that? Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
0: you have
2: an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much
0: at Airbnb.com/slash host. Nope. I will manage it. Go back to your rooms. Thank you. Back
1: to Nicholas and Joe. Olivia Colman is the queen. I'm not sure how much time you both spent with her on screen, I suppose, but maybe going to the film in general, what did you admire about her role? I mean, it's not a sort of
0: what we expect from the from the monarchy. No. Although I didn't cross over with her hugely on screen, we did all spend two weeks together rehearsing. So getting to see her work then and meet her and kind of for us all to bond in that environment was amazing. But I think she's unbelievable in the film. Uh, she can just walk that line between being very, very funny and also so just can suddenly turn tragic um, in an instant um, and really kind of anchors the film in that way with Anne's, with the story about her, you know, the miscarriages and her kind of own loneliness and isolation in this mad world. She's, she's, she's just unbelievable. I think it's an incredible performance.
1: Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me. Look at me. How dare you? Close your eyes.
3: In theory, what I'm aiming to do is have the the ear of Queen Anne as a politician to to manipulate what's happening with the country. And Rachel's character, Lady Marlborough, has at the beginning of the film got that ear. Mm. So then I kind of manipulate my way around and go through Emma's character, Abigail, to kind of try and then get, uh, the Queen's favour through her. I think
1: uh, one of the actors uh, described you as uh, looking like a bit like a supermodel with all your outfit on. That's It is quite incredible.
3: Yeah, I think Rachel said that uh, I look like a supermodel, which is a high praise coming from her and, and a big compliment. Uh, and uh, I felt like one.
2: <laughs> Sandy Powell, absolutely exquisite costumes. And I went to um, Shepperton. I think it was Sheppard and or Pinewood, for my fittings. Uh, and she was on Mary Poppins at the same time. And it was amazing. There was this moment where they said, oh, it's just on the other stage. Um, we might have to go across. And I was going, can we do that? I'm very up for that. Let's do that. And they said, oh, no, she's free now. Shit. <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. I mean, just just look, the workshop was exquisite. And all these Italian uh, Italian designers and and, um uh work people around with this exquisite stitching and all all based on massive research and paintings and absolutely gorgeous uh and it is it's a process you know it does it really helps that, that once you're sort of in a big sort of laced waistcoat and Big boots and a huge, heavy coat, and then obviously the wigs make you yeah. make me about nine foot tall. <laughs> and Nick Holt looks incredible uh, with his makeup on and that sort of it's sort of the Draftsman's contract, it's sort of like mm. almost more like a cartoon than the real thing. You know, something slightly exaggerated, a bit harpy like about him. Physical cartoon, yeah, like, like Gilray. You know, and um, so yes, it really it really is a big part of that, and then equally, it's a huge part of getting out of it. Because you're just so relieved to get it off your head or just take your shoes off, you know, after a day of duck racing. Uh, Yeah, but it was, uh, again, to me, it's part of the the fabric of the film is that it's not, they haven't just got a job lot of costumes from Mm. somewhere. It's like these are of this very specific time and the look of the queen and then Sarah and the, as I said, the sort of power dressing of it, you know. But equally that kind of mucky edge when, when, People, people live in these costumes, they, they exist, they, they wear them for a long time. It's mm. a different world in which they don't change their shirt every day.
0: Abigail. If you forget to load the pellet, the gun fires, makes a sound, but releases no shot. It is a great jape, do you agree? Yes. Maybe we will think of a use for it one day. Sometimes it is hard to remember whether you have loaded the pellet or not. I do fear confusion, and accidents. I'm sure people will be careful.
1: I suppose asking you again, as a writer, how, how would you help sort of portray the sort of the writing style in in the sense that it, it's the director was very much about it not being polite. It, it felt I'm not sure whether they used words that weren't relevant to that time. It's it's hard to say, but. At least the the attitudes are very much a modern one.
2: Yes, I think that's very true. I, I think, what, but what's clever about it is nothing leaps out. You don't go, well, they'd never have said that. I saw something recently, and know fact I can say this, I saw something recently set in the 30s where one of the characters said, shit the bed. I, I just went, what? And, you know, that's not, you know when that's wrong. And I think there's actually quite a lot of, slightly anachronistic stuff in, in in the film, but it doesn't leap out, you know, because if you can convince people they would have said it, then you're all right, it doesn't matter. But, yeah, it has a modern, yes, absolutely, it has a modern sensibility, and I think that's crucial to it. Without it being sort of pushed, yeah. it's not like a sort of, you know, it hasn't got like a kind of hip-hop soundtrack to make convinced that it's relevant. It doesn't need it, because if something has something to say, I think you just have to present it and and we can draw the parallels you know
1: could you talk a little bit about um, Hatfield House where it was um, filmed it's very much like a maze in the film I, I presume that all those crazy corridors and doors and underground passages are all there yes I mean I, I guess that's it's also down to how it's shot because you can make
2: I film a lot of things there and every time I go back I've I think. Oh no, it was there, wasn't it? Because because the new production will have moved things around. Or I always recognise the black and white tiled floor, and I know I'm back. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of things get shifted around. I did Taboo there. I did uh, Sense and Sensibility there. I've done a lot of things there, and but you're always discovering new stuff. Uh, that long gallery, which was in Wolf Hall, I did Wolf Hall there, and yeah. uh, and. But you can, you, can, you can construct a different architecture because no one, except the people who live there or people who visit there a lot, know what it's really like. Mm. And that's, of course, what you do in a film when you combine places, you know.
0: I am a person of honour
3: even if my station is not. Even if I were the last one left in this wretched place, I would remain a lady.
0: <laughs> You're pretty when outraged. So my secrets are safe with you? All of them.
1: Nicholas, Joe, and finally Mark on working with this director.
3: He creates an environment where it's it's very free to try things out, but you're never quite f- sure what you're aiming for. He he doesn't give you too many notes or ideas. He doesn't um, inundate you with history or character and I, how he wants the character to be. He just lets you free and loose in his world, and he, he brings great people together and then reins you in and 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 just kind of delicately sculpt it occasionally and that that rehearsal period as you spoke about um just kind of is his way of getting everyone on the same page I think and mm. and, and mastering his plan although uh, it still keeps a lot of us in the dark as to what the aim is yeah I, I agree with that um he uh he really
0: does just encourage you to kind of play and not get stuck in a in a kind of intellectual or academic approach which is a uh, which can be which was scary at first because we didn't know what we were doing or why we were doing it but once you once we kind of gave ourselves over to that it was so much fun
2: it's interesting. this is the first film that yogos has done from someone else's script mm. and it 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 fits it'll fit into his output is because because it's odd it's unusual so it it's probably the last thing anyone expected him to do and therefore it's the perfect thing for him to do it's his vision which will make has, has made this feel like a very different experience, you know. Everyone was aware how unusual it was to have three such fantastic parts for women, and for the film to be about them—that's mm. what it is. It's, it's absolutely about this triangle. The the the, male, the males are all totally peripheral, as it should be. And and yes, yeah, so there was a real hum to that, real electricity to that, and it's funny and nasty and bitchy, but very real, you know. It's so. There's real chemistry, I thought, and they were very supportive of each other and had a really good time, I think. It, it felt like that.
3: How good to see you returned from hell.
0: I'm sure you shall pass through it one day.
1: Thanks to Mark, Nicholas and Joe for speaking to us. Following in the lines of Barry Lyndon, The Draftman's Contract and even Orlando, this is a film full of energy and actors enjoying every word and action. As a bonus on this edition, here is a little more from Mark Gattis talking about his first experiences of riding a horse which were of course on film i was filming uh gunpowder at the same time uh
2: which is it's interesting two big period things at the same time and i had to ride a horse in both things for the first time and i had to, i thought i was going to get away with only having one riding lesson because it because it was the same riding company But in the end, I really enjoyed it. And honestly, one of my favorite things, I hope it survived, I haven't seen it yet, when I go off to to war, I mean, you can't get more pressure for the first time you've ever been on a horse than leading your troops off to war. But there I was at the head of this phalanx of horses, and I have to wave, sort of nod to Rachel and then go. And all I wanted to do was not fuck up. (laughs) And um, they taught me that the reins are quite... It's quite interesting. It's a bit like doing a sledge or something, you know. You, if you you go and you pull to the right, it's slightly, slightly different to how you might think it. But if you put the reins in one hand, it's effectively like a, like a, a stick, like a lever. Really? And because these horses are brilliant and have been trained, the first take I nodded to Rachel and I just lent the reins with my left hand and the horse just went off. And I, for the first and only time in my life, I felt like Clint Eastwood. It was great. I felt, please use that one. I'll never look so
1: cool again. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. Here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and theme series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out.